Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Oh, um, y'all notice I'm crazy now. Like, okay, to all the people that, <laughs> can I just make a note before I start into all of this? Um, I am not, did not grow up in a, um, I don't know, like a super, I'll use the term swirly. <laughs> like a Presbyterian church <laughs> that had like choir robes and bricks and a dude that wore a suit all the time and <laughs> like yeah bricks are relevant <laughs> and um and then they moved into this like carpeteria building that like was like really a first of a mega church that I had seen when I was like 12 so they had Tons of people, lights and music, and they still do this thing um, called Christmas on Main Street where it's like this big song and dance. And, um, and not that the Lord isn't using that because, man, that pastor was brilliant, like, you know, was an Oxford study, learned so much about the Bible. And that is so, 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 so important. Um, but man, being exposed to like you guys has just been a trip. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think what, I mean, and I think the order is really important, right? Because it has made what I learned growing up real, you know what I mean? And I needed that. I needed that, those seeds planted in my heart of real and true word, knowing that there was like, very little that even a brilliant mind could come come to and step to with the Lord and step to to the Bible because there is so much historical evidence there is so much truth there is so much relevancy and why that word is living and true today amen yeah 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 I'm gonna be participating with you guys a little bit because it makes me feel better especially because this is my first time doing it hello okay <laughs> But, oh, man, I, and I just want to, like, vouch for, like, this trip in Tijuana, um, not because, like, this is the trip that's going to, like, change your whole life, but for me, um, so if you didn't know the Banoffs, I don't know anybody in the, like, super spiritual community and, like, any of those things, because, again, I grew up in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, those are Caleb's spiritual parents, and, man, the DNA is so evident. So they have a ministry school. They have a ministry school, and this ministry school, like most of the people on this trip were from that ministry school, and then other people who have um, just come out of those ministries. Um, and so it was like 50 people that were just like you, just a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and man, it was like, the trip was like only like a few days, right? And um, we went out to San Diego, and um, then we drove across the border into Tijuana. We stayed at this orphanage um, called The Mission, and which they have their own, um, not only an orphanage of many children, um, but also of like uh, 50 students that are house moms for this orphanage, but then also getting discipled um, to just see what life is like as like a missionary and God's calling on their life. So it's pretty dope. Um, but apparently, like, we're one of their favorite groups that come every year. I wonder why. <laughs> 
And um, we minister and we go out to not, only, to not just serve the orphans as far as like our Devo times and in worship, but our main focus is to actually serve people that are in um, and living and working in a garbage dump. And um, I mean, it's, it's wild. We like need permission to go there and we can't bring out any phones or cameras. Otherwise, like, you know, these guards will like, you know, tell us that we can never come back again. They're guarding a garbage dump. What? Anyway, um, and so we were, we went out not with like our Bibles and telling them that they need the Lord. They knew the Lord. Don't get it twisted. They needed to be seen. They needed to be seen and shown that they were important and loved. And so what we did was we went out with our guitars and we sang love songs to them. My Spanish is about this big. And if you can't see on the podcast, it's very small <laughs> with my hands. <laughs> And, um, and we were singing like, you know, you're loved. Eres hermosa. You are beautiful. Eres amada. You are loved. Over and over again, just looking at people in the eyes and saying that you're loved and you're beautiful. And I want to sing this song to you. And people were so shy. People were like, you could tell that they were refraining from like crying and like having tears just because of just that deep, uh, that depth of just singing a song to somebody. I was even just getting nervous singing a song. I was like, I don't even sing my husband's song. So this is like, <laughs> it's like a whole new thing. And I know I need to now. So that was evident. That was conviction. So <laughs> you guys don't know me I'm like a little over a year being married so <laughs> that's also been a wild trip and um and um and also the other thing that we do so um the first day we went out to their workplace at this garbage dump where basically there's these huge trucks that come in and that are unloading garbage and they're sorting through them and um, I mean, it's just wild. And uh, we went to back to their village, which is also still on this garbage dump area where they had their houses made of garbage and things like that. And we um, celebrated and loved them with a steak dinner. We like put out these tables and put rose petals and candles and, um, and it was just awesome. And then the next day, so I don't know what started this, but I guess there were some couples that desired to be married um, but they had no means of, like, actually celebrating or um, conducting a marriage um, ceremony. Um, so what um, this organization started to do is that they started asking for donated dresses and any other kind of donations to actually put on a wedding for the people that wanted to get married in this village. Um, and so we married 17 couples. <laughs> to show you the pictures guys it's wild but we like we gowned them in all of these beautiful dresses that people had like boxed up you know and saving them but then just felt by the lord to donate them we did their hair and their makeup and oh my gosh these brides <laughs> i was so done that were coming down the aisle and they were being escorted and we had all these ribbons in the air as they came down the aisle and their grooms for the first time to see them was so beautiful and so they were all like at this flower altar that we had made for them and exchanging vows and just the sweetness of them looking into each other's eyes like um, like you guys looking into each other's eyes like me looking into my groom's eyes of just like 
sweet, sweet love, like, you know, that they couldn't help but, like, kiss each other at the altar before they even said I do's, you know what I mean, because they they were just so wowed by each other, and let me tell you, I was in the bridal prep town, tent, some of those dresses were an act of God, so, like, and how we got all those brides prepped was definitely an act of God, so, but to see it was just crazy beautiful, and, um, and then it just got wilder and wilder after I left that trip. It wasn't even the trip itself, but like, <laughs> I, <got> um, I, <laughs> I kept running into people. I kept running into people. After I left, I got delayed 15 additional hours to my 12-hour trip to go home. And I was like, Lord, why? <laughs> He knew why. I didn't know why. And this isn't even my message, but here we are, okay? So I'm totally pulling in Abraham, and uh, thank God. So, um, uh, man, we ran in our Uber driver. We ended up going to coffee with for two hours, and he was like, <laughs> we were trying to go to sleep in a park, and then he started talking about, a, 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 he was this like, we, we came up with these, I had this crazy looking backpack, and he was like, whoa, were you touring in Europe? And I was like, no, we were actually in Mexico, and my friend was like, yeah, we were serving orphans in this community that lives in a dump, and, and he was like, oh my gosh, I was a doctor, and I was like working with orphans in Mexico for like the last 10 years of my life, that's wild, and so we just started talking, and he was just like, yeah, recently, like I had this dream and like this voice was speaking to me and I saw this light in heaven and, and I was like, whoa, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> but yeah, but he kept telling me like, oh, I don't mean to offend you. Or I hope this doesn't weird you out. And I'm like, bruh, <laughs> it does not. It does not weird me out. Just check me out on Sunday. So, um, and then after that, um, uh, I found out my flight was delayed, or no, we went to this coffee shop, and at this coffee shop, we also ran into this guy that just was, like, really interested in our conversation, and he was so spiritually hungry, you could tell, and um, it was wild. It, I mean, it was wild, and then there was, like, multiple people. I mean, when I was in the airport, um, I met this girl, and she was, like, also in the Air Force, and if you guys don't know, I've been in the Air Force for the last 12 years. I'm on a sabbatical for three years um, to hopefully... Um, God willing, do the whole chaplaincy thing. Yeah, I know he's going to do it. So um, so that's why I'm here now as your <laughs> admin pastor. And um, But anyway, I met this girl, and she was talking about the Air Force and her career progression. I knew that the Lord wanted me to sit there, and I didn't even know that. But this other guy was talking to her, so I could tell based off of their conversation. I was like, oh, I was meant to be here. Um, <laughs> long story short, her name was Destiny, and she was wearing a superhero <laughs> Superwoman t-shirt <laughs> and she was wondering about how to like be bold in the Lord that was her first question to me after I had probably talked her ear off for 35 minutes <laughs> and um she was just hungry so the Lord is putting hungry people in my place because I guess only I caught something I got infected with something in Tijuana <laughs> Now I'm here talking to y'all. So, <laughs> but it was also interesting because I also ran into this group. Me and my friend were sitting at this coffee shop. And this is going to like kind of lead into my message. And it was this group of students. Um, 
And there was clearly an instructor and clearly this group of like four students. And then there was this woman who came in, about my, my age, a little bit older, and she was clearly a guest speaker and she was just like talking about um, who she was as like this reverend, this first fe black female reverend in you know, some kind of denominational setting and she talked a lot about racial reconciliation and she talked a lot about like her sociology degree and like um, helping with uh, um, like orphans foster kids uh, because that's what it is in America foster kids are orphans um, and it and it was it was a very articulate resume um, she was like she opened up just you know like warm up the crowd like any good speaker of like I'm a East Coast girl by trade, you know, I grew up in the same city as Whitney Houston, and um, and just listening to her of this, like, 15 minutes, um, and I just want to say, it's not her as a person, but what I heard was that there was, there was no recognition of the Lord, even as a, as a, as a, like, as a pastor. I heard, like, it was almost very hard when I, when I saw this group sitting around, because I thought it was a Bible study, but I literally didn't hear anything about the Lord. It was like, oh my gosh, it's, that's so funny that it's raining, but anyway, I have this, like, crazy thing with rain, um, and <laughs> you know my thought with rain. Anyway, um, um, yeah, this group, it, it sounded it sounded kind of Jesus-y, but I never heard Jesus. I never heard the word God. I never heard, like, anything. I kind of heard, like, oh, I had been exposed to youth ministry. So I was like, I don't know, man. I'm in California. It could be anything. Like, you know, um, so maybe it's something that's close to it but not it. Um, and But then when this woman started speaking, I was like, oh, yes. It is this. It's a group of students that were in a new missions class that were going to a Christian school. And she was... Um, you know, sharing her experience and um, and really her resume, because I don't even I don't even want to say it was the walk with the Lord, and um, and I was turning to my friend and I was like really grieved. I started crying, like so. You know how we talk at the resting place on how prophetic words should always be in a place of encouragement, but you also do get downloads as far as people's hearts and like you know or experiences and. Um, when she was talking about Whitney Houston, I was seeing that for her. Um, so I saw that she had this magnificent voice. But what ended up happening, what was the fate of Whitney Houston was that she died to drug overdose, right? And I felt like the Lord was telling me about her, about how she's had this, she has this magnificent, beautiful gift of a voice. And yet her demise is that she's addicted to drugs in the sense of drugs of pride, of fame, of, um, you know, articulation, of presentation, of religion, that the drug of, oh, I'm doing it right, I'm being validated, so that's good. Not that her Lord was the source, because she kept referring to the calling, the calling shifted, but there was no recognition of who called her. There was no recognition of the caller. And um, so I was talking to my friend, and I was, like, just leaning over, and I was, like, kind of crying, and I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I was, like, maybe we should say something, but maybe we shouldn't. Like, it just doesn't feel right. Um, and my friend was, like, I'm going to say something. And I was, like, whoa, let's make sure we do this in love, right? Because we're not going to go, blah, because that's, that's not what we do. And, um, and she was 
So my friend raises her hand. She's like, can I just say something? And, you know, this other professor and this guest speaker, like, turn, and they're like, oh. They're all excited because they probably think we're some hippie kids off the street in California um, not knowing Jesus. And this was their prime opportunity to tell them about the Lord had saved them. However, they didn't know <laughs> that two pastors were sitting at that table, a church planter and then me, um, wanting to just be there. And um, so she brought, brings up, um, can, I, can we bring up that Ephesians slide? Okay, perfect. So um, the question that she asked came out of this Revelation passage, and I will give some context, but her question was, how did you first fall in love with Jesus? And her answer was really strange. And she said, I don't know if, you know, when I got saved that I fell in love with Jesus, I just felt impacted by the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. And as she continued, it felt so sterile. It felt so cold. It felt like you knew something existed, but then you had no relationship with. And, and as my friend kind of like poked in, especially with this passage that we're going to read, the professor goes, stop. I know where this is going. And I don't think we have time for this. Oh, we didn't have time. <laughs> we didn't have time to kind of explore something. And so he was trying to guard his students of like, we'll talk about this conversation later. But, you know, I want to, you know, just affirm you in the work that you've done. And, but that was the thing. It was the work that she did. When she was describing her life, it was I did this, I did this, I did this. Versus acknowledging who whose she's was. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, really messed up right now. But <laughs> um, and who the source was. And, and, my, and it wasn't that I was mad. It was my heart was so grieved of how lonely this journey must have been for you. To think that you were building every block by yourself. That you were doing everything out of you ought to that there was no one alongside you and it was just you this whole time and the, your future journey is going to be nothing but hard work. My heart was grieved. My heart was grieved. My heart was even more grieved that, that she was a guest speaker for these students that were inquiring about the mission of God. So um, the title of my message today is I Am Not a Professional Lover. <laughs> I know we say every, every you know, time that Abraham comes around, he's like, I'm not a professional Christian. We're not professional Christians. So, yeah, this is my first time speaking, and this is going to be a dope time. And, uh, the, yeah, the, so the title of my message is I Am Not a Professional Lover. <laughs> so I want to read out the book that she was referring to, my friend, out of Revelation 2.5. It says, um, and so Revelation was written by the apostle John. And he was the last living apostle because there was literally so much persecution. So, and now he's writing to the seven churches. One of them is the church of Ephesus, which a lot of times we don't connect with the fact that there was a book called Ephesians. And then there is now this letter of Ephesus, this tiny little thing in the book of Revelation. So, 
The passage writes, I know your works, your toil, your patience, endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostle and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have grown, and you, you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. Um... If you read the book of Ephesians, which is just 30 years prior, um, Paul is so thankful for Ephesus. He says, he's all super thankful, and we're going to get into why, but he says, because I have heard of your faith and, Lord Jesus, of your love towards all the saints. What happened? What happened between these 30 years of this church being initially planted and Paul's saying, wow, and praising them for their love, their love that they're showing to others because of the love that they received from the Lord, that they had now forgotten their first love. What happened? What happened? Oh, I am not a professional lover. I am the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. Ha, 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 ha. And as I, like, scurry around through this first year of marriage, <laughs> I realize that I, I am not a professional at being married. <laughs> I make many mistakes, and in a lot of ways, what the world might tell me as far as how to be a great wife, they're not indicative of my relationship with Jeremy, with my husband. Like, what might work for you or for you or for you with your relationship, and you can tell me all those things there is an intimacy, there is a marriage, there is a specific relationship that we share together based off of the uniqueness that is Jeremy, the uniqueness that is me. So I'm just going to say it. I'm going to do the hook, line, and sinker. Do you know what a professional lover is? Tell me. Anybody? Who works a prostitute? You want to say it? If you can take me off this, you can take me off this mic in this podcast, but I'm going to tell you today, a professional lover is a prostitute. And I'm just going to jump over to, to Proverbs 3, 5. Because, and I think there's some things that we get mixed up with a relationship with God and being a professional lover. Um, and again, don't get me twisted. I'm not calling you guys all prostitutes today. <laughs> Sorry, this probably isn't going on the podcast. So. <laughs> uh, Proverbs 3, 5. Or 5, 3. Sorry. It says, and this is so funny, you know, that the Bible is kind of trying to make up for hidden language. But it says, for the lips of a forbidden woman, it's prostitute. I've looked it up. Look it up yourself. It's uh, for the lips of a, a prostitute drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter. Her feet go down to death. Her steps and her a path fall to Sheol. And she does not ponder the path of life, her ways of wander, and she does not know it. I am not a professional lover. Can you say that today? Not a professional lover. Right. Because, I mean, what we little know, right, about um, the, the life and ways of a prostitute is that she has to earn her wage. 
for her survival, right? She has to dress a certain way. She has to look a certain way. She has to show up to certain places. She is absolutely controlled. A slave, right? And I know there's a, like a spectrum, like, you know, when we talk about human trafficking and um, things like that as far as like the amount of control. But ultimately, there is a trafficker. That's the enemy. And he's trying to lie and deceive to you, thinking that you need to earn this wage of how to survive. I am not a professional lover. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Um, can we get that Colossians page on there, too? Ooh, yeah. So Colossians also, uh, the, um, <laughs> the city of Colossae. Colossae, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sorry. But this city that Paul was also writing to, also known for their love of others. Um, but they were dealing with a lot of um, turmoil. So think of the early church. You had all the people that were Jewish that were like in the law, right? And they were like super serious and to the T. And now you have all these weird Gentiles coming out of nowhere that have no Jewish background, and now they're all in one church. Whoa. Um, talk about a lot of animosity probably towards each other and a lot of diverse thinking. And um, so you have basically at the one side of the spectrum Jewish legalism, and at the other side of the spectrum you have um, pagan mystics. Cool? <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, so Paul is making a letter of encouragement of what is the source? What is the real thing? What is the relationship with God truly look like? If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that per all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. I'm going to tell you today that if you are trying to live as a professional lover that the desires of your flesh um, is never going to be helped with behavior modification. That, that sin problem that you're perceiving, that's only still going to be a problem because of the way that you see yourself. The way you see yourself as far as being in the work of love and not in the relationship of love. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, and so what? So what, 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 what is the answer? <laughs> it's to stop, stop working as a professional lover. It's just to have a relationship with the Lord. And some of those things might be confused, right? So, like, I'm going to go on a date with Jeremy, and I might wear something nice and, like, something cute. But ultimately, like, he's going to see my, me in my pajamas and sweats probably seven days out of the week. There's only seven days in a week, so it's probably all pajamas. <laughs> but he's not expecting me, in, in, like, you know, to show up at a certain time, to do a certain thing. Um, but there are, like, you know, there are parts of our relationship that we share and we know how we like, you know, 
what we like, what we don't like, what we, what like, you know, fills our tank and, and, and things of that nature. And that's the kind of relationship that the Lord wants to have with you too. So um, going back to, can you go back to that Ephesians slide? So when you look at that Ephesians 1.15, it says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. For what reason? For what reason? So what inspired that reason for them to love like others? Where did it come from? This is the mystery that the, we're answering today. Can you put on that final slide? These are the words right before it. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he has set forth in Christ as a plan of fullness of time to unite in things. In him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were, who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth and gospel of salvation and believed, in him were sealed and promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it in the praise of his glory. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> and your work and your professional efforts. For this reason, we can love because he loved us first. Amen. <laughs> it continues in this letter and it finishes up in Ephesians 4 it says walk in a manner worthy of your calling and I think some people that are caught up in the law we love them but like you know are just thinking oh man I need to get cleaner I need to get cleaner I need to do the things better but no walking in a manner worthy of your calling is to know that it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. It is the love relationship of God with you that you are the bride of Christ and you are not a professional lover. I am not a professional lover. <laughs> Amen. And, um, man, I just... And I just want to speak to, this is like a, I want to say that this is like a pretty new thing to me that's like really deep-seated and has grown. Um, I grew up my whole life figuring out how to be a professional. You know, like my whole life. And, um, and just to know that the Lord, there is so much grace there is so much grace, and he's waiting, willing to wait a lifetime. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't going to share this story, but now I am. So I met um, this friend named Aishwarya, and she um, is originally from India, and she is now in the uh, ministry school. She lives with her husband, I think, in Pennsylvania. But um, if you are kind of familiar with Indian culture, a lot of their marriages are arranged. And, um, and I'm not saying her story is every story, but it really gave me a picture of being the bride of Christ. Uh, because I have heard some stories about arranged marriages, like, you know, not knowing or like, you know, that your marriage was your job and like all these different kinds of things and there was no love in it. But she told me, for her experience, um, her father knew um, her 
now husband's uh, dad and parents, and they were family friends. And um, she talked about how her parents knew what was best for her in the sense of that there were other siblings, there were other children on both sides, but based off of what their parents had seen from her life and his life, that they'd probably be a good match. And um, the other thing, too, is that, like, it wasn't just, like, they all of a sudden met each other on wedding day. They actually allowed the two to court and couple and meet each other and see if they would get along and if it would be a good fit. That even though they had an inkling, an idea, and they wanted them to get married, there was so much gentleness as far as their courtship to really, to build that love. And man, that just wrecked me. Because, and, and her confidence in her parents of like, she literally told me, she was like, why would I trust myself at like, you know, whatever age when I can trust my parents that have known me my whole life? And I was like, oh no, like that's the father in us. <laughs> the father knows us so well. And has, has arranged us a marriage with the bride of, as the bride of Christ. And it wasn't so forceful and all of a sudden, but so gently that he was putting us in these scenarios to meet Jesus and to be courted by Jesus and to be loved by Jesus to where we would fall in love with him. And marriage just made sense. I want a union with Jesus. The Father knows each and every one of you to a T. And I know there's so many people out there in the world that are saying, I know myself better than anybody else. But the Father knows you. The Father is outside of time and knows in front of you and behind you and you in this moment right now. And he's just wanting to set you up with the lover of your soul. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.